Hello, welcome to The Wanderer, the Anglo-Saxon heathen podcast. And in this episode, we look at the beginning of all things. Tales of the Gods, the beginning of all things. In the very beginning of things, there was only a vast chasm, Ginongagap, with to the north of it, Niflheim, the home of mist and darkness, and to the south, Muspelheim, the home of burning fire. When it touched the cold that rose from the chasm, the damp mist from Niflheim turned into blocks of ice, which fell with a terrible sound into Ginongagap, and as the fiery sparks from Muspelheim fell upon these ice blocks, they sent up steam, which turned to hoarfrost, as it rose into the cold air, and thus, with blocks of ice and with time, the chasm was slowly filled, and out of the hoarfrost, two figures took shape. One was a giant man, Ymir, the first of the ice giants, and the father of all evil creatures, and the other was the cow, Eodumla. Ymir drank the milk of the cow, and grew strong and flourished. While for her food, Adumla licked the blocks of ice for the salt that was in them. As the ice was melted by her warm tongue and her breath, at the end of the first day, the hair of her head appeared. At the end of the second day, the head and shoulders could be seen. And when the third day was passed, Buri, the divine, stepped forth from the ice. He was good and beautiful, and he was the father of all kindly creatures, and to him was born, by the means of magic spells, War, his mighty son. Meanwhile, as Ymir slept, from the sweat that trickled from his body, there sprang up another giant man, and a giant maiden, and from the soles of his feet came forth six-headed Thrudgelmir, and there was strife between the good and evil beings, between the giants and Buri, and his son Bor. And though the giants increased in numbers, they could in no way prevail, and for a long time the victory went neither to good nor to evil. But one day, Bor took to wife a friendly giant maiden named Bistla, and a son was born to them, called Woden, who was very, very powerful, and mightier even than his father and his brothers. And in time, Woden led his brothers against the giants and slew Ymir so that all the giants were afraid at the loss of their leader and would have fled away, but that they were drowned in the blood which poured from his wounds. Only two of them escaped, Bogelmir, son of six-headed Thrudgelmir, and his wife, and they fled to the very edge of space where they made themselves a home and called it Jotunheim, the land of the giant people, and from them were descended all the frost and storm and mountain giants that later troubled the world. Ymir's body was then rolled into the chasm, and from it Woden created the universe. First in the very centre he formed Midgard, the world of men, from the flesh of the dead giant and fenced it all about with his bushy eyebrows for a protection. From his bones Woden made the hills and mountains, from his teeth the stones and rocks, and from his curly hair, the grass and trees and shrubs, and all around Midgard, like a sea flowed Ymir's blood. And beyond this sea lay Jotunheim. Overall, as the sky, Woden sent Ymir's skull resting upon the shoulders of four strong dwarfs, north, south, east and west, and it might forever remain in its place. And between Midgard 
and the hollow vault that was the sky wowed and scattered Ymir's brains as the softly drifting clouds. Then, so that should be light in this world, that he had made both by day and by night, Woden took sparks from Muspelheim and flung them across the sky for stars, and two larger sparks he set in two golden chariots, to be the sun and the moon. In the chariot of the sun he placed a beautiful maiden to rule over the light of the day, while to a lovely youth he gave power over the moon. But they were not allowed to remain shining peacefully in the sky, for as soon as the giants spied them from Jotunholm, they sent two great wolves, Skoll and Hati, to devour them, so that there might be darkness in the world once more, and that is why the sun and the moon are never still in their places, but must continually move across the sky forever, flying from the hungry wolves. When their first task of creation was accomplished, Woden and the other gods looked at the world which they had made, and they saw that creatures like maggots had bred in Ymir's flesh, and crawled about and above and below the earth. Some of the creatures were good and white and shining, and those the gods made into the elves of light, giving them the sunshine and the flowers and growing lights to care for, and making them a home in Ethelheim, between the earth and the sky. The other creatures were dark and misshapen, and of them the gods made the elves of darkness to live forever below the ground, mining gold and precious stones, and they became cunning workmen, skilled in all manner of crafts. But no one of them might ever come upon the earth except by night, for one ray of sunlight falling across his dark features would turn him to stone. On a broad plain above the earth lay Asgard, where the gods lived. Here was their council chamber, and the great field where they met. Each had his own home, fair and bright. Bifrost, the rainbow, was the bridge between Asgard and Midgard, and along this three-coloured way would the gods walk to and fro. At the will of Woden there came into being a great ash tree, Yggdrasil, whose topmost branches overhung his halls. This tree had three roots, one in Midgard, another in Niflheim, and the third in Asgard itself. At each root there flowed a spring. That in Midgard was known as Mimir's well, where wisdom and understanding were stored under the care of the giant Mimir, and that in dark Niflheim as Hvergilmir, and beside this pool of Hvergilmir lived a dragon which gnawed night and day at the root of the tree, seeking ever to destroy it. But the spring that flowed by the root that was in Asgard was called the Fountain of Erd, and on it swam two holy swans. This fountain was guarded by the Norns, three sisters who knew the past, the present, and the future, and each day they sprinkled the leaves of Yggdrasil with pure water from their well. On the very top of Yggdrasil, above Woden's halls, brooded a mighty eagle, with a hawk perched upon its head, and along the wide branches walked and browsed four stags, and the goat Hydrun, who gave mead instead of milk, and for the gods to drink, a squirrel scurried up and down the tree, carrying towels and words of unfriendliness between the eagle and the dragon, which lived by Vergilmir until they grew to hate each other. In Midgard the flowers blossomed, and the earth grew green and lovely. But there were as yet no men to enjoy this pleasant home that had been made for them. And then one day, as Woden walked along the seashore with Honir, the brighter god, his brother, and with Loki, who ruled the fire, 
they saw two trees standing straight and tall, and Odin touched them and gave them spirit and human life. From Honir they received sense and movement, while Loki laid his hands on them and gave them warmth and beauty and red blood to flow in their veins. And there on the seashore stood Ask and Embla, the first man and woman to be created, and from them were descended all other men and women. The gods of the heathens were the Ezir and Vanir. The Vanir were the gods of nature, Njord, and god of the shore and the shallow summer sea. And his son and daughter, Frey and Freya, Frey who ruled over the elves of light, and Freya the goddess of love and beauty, and Egir, the lord of the deep and stormy seas, with Ran his wife, who caught sailings in her net and drowned them. Egir and Ran were not truly of the kindly Vanir, for they were cruel and more akin to the giants. But, like the Vanir, they ruled over nature and were on good terms with all the other gods. The Azir were the gods who cared for men, Woden the Allfather, king of all the gods, wise and just and understanding, and Frigg, his queen, who presided over human marriages. Honir, Woden's brother, the shining god, who lived among the Vanir, large, noisy Thor, the god of thunder, Woden's son, who always had a special corner in his heart for the peasants and the poor and the dispossessed. Tyr, the brave god of war, Balder and Hod, the twin sons of Woden, and Frigg, Balder, the god of daylight, who was the most beautiful of all the gods, and Hod, who was blind and ruled over the hours of darkness. Hermod, Woden's messenger, and Heimdall, the divine watchman who kept guard over Bifrost, the bridge between Asgard and the world. And lastly, there was Loki, who was neither of the Aesir nor of the Vanir, nor yet of any of the giant race. Crafty red-haired Loki, quick to laugh and quick to change his shape. The god of the fire that burns on the hearth, good and kindly when it wishes, but a merciless destroyer when it leaves its proper place. From the earliest days, Woden and Loki had sworn an oath of brotherhood, and it was this which was so often saved Loki in later times, when his cunning tricks so much displeased the other gods. In Asgard, Woden had three palaces. In one of the gods met in her council, and in another stood his throne, Hilidskjalf, which served him as a watchtower from where he might see all that passed, not only in Asgard, but in Midgard and Jotunheim, and even in the depths of dark Niflheim, the home of mist as well. Here he would sit with his two ravens perched upon his shoulders. Each day he sent these birds flying forth across the world, and each evening they returned to tell him of the happenings of the day. At his feet would lie two wolves, who followed him like hounds wherever he went in Asgard and at the feasting would eat the meat that was set before him, for the Allfather lived on mead alone, and no food passed his lips so long as he was among the gods, though when he travelled through Midgard, he lived like other men. Odin's third palace was called Valhalla, and was set in the mists of a grove of trees whose leaves were gleaming gold. This palace had 540 doors, and its walls were made of glittering spears and its roof of golden shields, to this hall came all those warriors who had died in battle, when death had passed away from them as a dream, to feast and tell tales of their deeds, as living men, and to test their fighting skill on one another with weapons and armour made of imperishable gold. 
For the heathens were great warriors, and they believed that when a battle raged, Woden would send out his warrior maidens, the Valkyrs, to ride across the sky and fetch the slain to Valhalla, where they would be with Woden himself, and feast upon the flesh of the boar, Serimnir, which although slaughtered and roasted each day, came back to life each night, and drink of the mead provided by the goat Hydron, this every heathen longed for. When the time came to die in battle, and his greatest fear was that he should suffer a straw death and die in bed, lying on his straw-stuffed mattress, for the spirits of all those who did not die fighting went down to dark Niflheim. Woden ever sought knowledge and wisdom, that he might use them to the good of both gods and men, and one day he went to Mimi as well, and found of wisdom and understanding which flowed by that root of the ash tree, Yggdrasil, which grew in Midgard, and asked the giant Mimir to let him drink of the magic waters. Mimir looked long at Woden before he answered, and then he said, Even the gods must pay for knowledge. And what is the price of wisdom? asked Woden. Give me one of your eyes as a pledge, said Mimir. Unhesitatingly, Woden plucked out one of his eyes and gave it to Mimir, and Mimir let him drink from the well, and straight away Woden was filled with the knowledge of all things, past and present. And even into the future could he look, and though his new knowledge gave him joy, it brought sorrow to him also, for he could now tell not only what was past, but also the grief that was to come. Yet he returned to Asgard to use his knowledge to help the other gods and those men who sought his aid. And Mimir dropped Woden's eye into his well, and it lay there evermore, shining below the water, a proof of Odin's love of wisdom and his goodwill towards mankind.